0: Hey, this is Kevin Weatherby say Save the Cowboy. I want you to tow that stirrup, throw a leg over the candle, take a deep seat, and pull your hat down tight. I ain't going to tolerate no whining or griping, so let's all strike a long trot down that narrow trail and learn how to ride with God. Come on! What you waiting on? Let's go. You can't start the pedigree, the lineage, the ancestry of Jesus, the King of Kings, the King of the Jews. You can't start this without going back to the very beginning and that was the very beginning of the hebrew people of god's chosen people there's a man named abram abram was a man living near the tip of the persian sea at a place called ur of the chaldeans okay now this isn't this is a this is cowboy okay abram abram's a cowboy and and the reason i say that is, is because he is a livestock owner cattle camels Sheep, goats, this guy's a rancher. And at the very tender age of 75 years old, God comes to this man named Abram living at the top tip of the Persian Gulf at a place called Ur of the Chaldeans. He says, pick up everything you have, leave everything you know, and go to the place that I have for you, for I will make you a father of everything. I will make you the father of my chosen people. What can we learn from the life of Abram? Why do I keep saying Abram? Because Abram is married to a lady named Sarai. And later on, their names will be changed and we'll get to that. But as we look at the life of Abraham and we look at the pedigree of a king, there are things that each one of these that we will go through the next 10 weeks is something that we can learn about the love of God, about the nature of God, about what he wants from us, and that these things that we talk about is ultimately fulfilled in the person of God's one and only begotten son, Jesus Christ. We cannot look at the life of a man named Abraham without immediately coming in uh, into the presence of one of the mightiest faiths ever seen. One of the mightiest faiths ever seen. And in my my in preparation for this, I, I read this about Abraham, and I absolutely loved it. I loved it so much. You're going to hear this several times, and the reason I want you to hear it several times is I think it will take several times before we really start to grasp just how significant this is listen to this god desires our faith trust and dependence not faith in our ability to please god okay now let me put that in simplified cowboy version for you okay here it is god wants us to have faith in him not us okay with that with that understanding, God wants us to have faith in him, not us. So let me read it again. God desires our faith, trust, and dependence, not faith in our ability to please him. That is good news. Today we're going to talk about Abraham and six or seven different things that that he was faithful in and the results of that faith. The very first thing is, we've already mentioned, he leaves His homeland, he picks up everything he has and he takes off on this big, long journey from the Persian Gulf, basically to the Mediterranean Sea. Why is this important, though? Because God is going to make a covenant with Abraham. God is going to make him the father of all of his people. But God says, in order to do that, you have to go from here to here. And he does the same thing with our lives. He says, listen, I will promise to give you eternal life. I will promise to take care of you, to guide you, to be with you, to pr- I already said provide, protect you. I will do all of these things, but you have to come from here to here. We call that journey. Now, Abraham had a physical journey. But all of us, it was one of a spiritual journey as well. I don't think any of us can deny it. But we all have this journey to make from where we were, everything that we've known. What do we call that? We call that our sissy pen, right? (laughs) Where we're comfortable. And God asks us to leave that behind and travel over here so that we can claim the promises that he has made. God desires our faith, trust, and dependence, not faith and our ability to please him. In other words, God wants us to have faith in him, not us. Faith to leave his homeland at 75 years old. But it didn't stop there. He also had faith to let God, uh, well, maybe not let God, to trust God with decisions. okay? Now, that, uh, that seems pretty self-explanatory, right? I mean, if you're gonna be following God, you need to trust him with your decisions. But get this. Traveling with Abraham was a large contingent of people, servants and stuff like that, right? He also had his nephew. And his nephew's name was Lot. Okay? His nephew's name was Lot. So they get all the way to Canaan. Now, maybe some of you have heard that name, but the land of Israel as we know it today, Israel, before it was Israel, it was known as the promised land and before it was known as the promised land with moses it was known as canaan in abraham's day but there in canaan uh abraham has his nephew with him named lot now god is blessing because abraham went from ur to canaan and god said i will bless you for doing this i'm going to make you the father of my people the father of my people is going to have faith, and we're going to do all this stuff. And both of them get rich. They have so much livestock, Abram does, and Lot does, that their cowboys start squabbling over grazing rights. So, uh, you know, people squabbling over grass goes back, you know, 2,000 years, right? Or way longer than that, 3,000 years. But Abram's cowboys and Lot's cowboys start bickering. So. What happens? Abram goes to Lot and he says, Lot, listen, we don't need this to come between our families. We've come so far. We've grown so much. We have kids, or y'all have kids, and blah, 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 and we have servants and everything like that. Let us not be divided. So here's the deal, Lot. Here's the deal. I'm going to let you pick wherever you want to go. We have all of this land that God has promised us. You can have this half, or you can have this half. Now, Gary, Ty, You know Heidi and a few others that have been to Israel with us. There's two things in Israel. There's a narrow strip of the most fertile, beautiful countryside you've ever seen. It's about sixty yards wide, (laughs) right? I mean, it's it's like it's tiny, right? But but I mean, like any, it's it's the most fertile. It's the Promised Land. The rest of it is a rock. It's just it's a cement. It looks like this right here with animal tracks, you know, dug into it for all the time looking for a scrap of grass, right? So Abram says, Lot, you choose wherever you want to go. Where would you like to go? (laughs) You know Lot's like this trick question. Because, you know, where's he going to choose? He's going to choose the best grazing, right? And, of course, that's exactly what he does. And and Abram, like, look, man, do you want to go to this side where all the green grass is? That's good you go over there? I'll go over here. If you want to go over there, I'll go over here. And God continues to bless Abram. He had the faith. Abram had the faith to give Lot the most fertile areas and resulted in Abram getting everything as far as he could see. Because if you go read the story of Abram after this happens, God comes to Abram. He's like, hey, man, I've seen what you did. Not only am I going to make you the father of my chosen people, I want you to look to the north. I want you to look to the south, I want you to look to the east, and I want you to look to the west. You see all that? Yes, sir. It's all yours for my people. See, he just told him up to this point that he was going to make him a father of of his people, right? But now that he's willing to be undivided from his family, joined together where there's no problems with his family, and he's willing to take the lesser half, God rewards his faith because Abram knows that it don't matter about this side over here of how much less it looks like on the surface. If God is there, we will succeed. God desires our faith, trust, and dependence, not faith in our ability to please him. In other words, God wants us to have faith in him, not us. So Lot gets over there to his grand, you know. I I, I mean, like, listen, guys, th- this is like the difference in being at the place that I grew up in and the place Ty grew up in. Yeah. Yeah, they got Montana grass up to here just as far as you can see. They had more grass in one square foot than I had in one acre, right? But Lot gets down here to this real fertile place. And what happens when it's real fertile? Do people want to go to the desert or somewhere that's fertile? So there's a lot of people around here, right? And Lot gets himself in a wreck because Lot is living at a place called Sodom. Y'all ever heard of a place called Sodom? He lives at a place called Sodom, and this king, now, when when you go to the land of Canaan, you know, there's a lot of kings. It's like king in, in Genesis chapter 12 through whatever, king means mayor, okay? Every town had a king, okay? Some kings were bigger than others, and this particular king goes down and conquers five cities, including the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah, where Lot is, and Lot is taken captive along with a bunch of other wicked people. One of Lot's servants gets away and runs all the way to Abram on the other side of the country, on the other side of Canaan, and says, Lot and all of his family's been taken. We need your help. And Abram says, all right, we're coming. So Abram, together with 318 men, I love it when God is specific in his word, 318 men, they go to rescue Lot from this king that had just conquered five cities. They catch up to him at a place called Dan. We've been there. It, it's it, it's amazing. You can stand up there and you can see into Lebanon, and they still had some of the high places that you know they've been torn down. But you can see where they were. That talks about in the Bible that you know all of that was torn down. Last time we went, we couldn't even go over there. But the first time we went, it was really crazy because we're driving around a corner and the tour guide says, "Hey, y'all, pay attention." Like, what's up? He said, y'all see that sign, that triangle sign on the fence over there? So yeah. He goes, don't walk over there and read it. And he said, why? He said, because that means there's a landmine there. So the second time we went to Israel, we wasn't able to go over there because of some conflict and Syria's real close and stuff like that. But faith, uh, Abram steps out in faith and he goes to rescue his nephew Lot and wins. And they have all of this spoils and, and Abram's on his way home. Abram's on his way home. And he stops at a place called salem that ring a bell well there's a salem massachusetts there's a salem witch trials but what happens if you put i believe the hebrew word for hill before salem the the word is jeru (laughs) jerusalem jerusalem this is the king of a place called salem and here is abraham who has been communing and communicating with the living God, and He, God has told Abram to go from Ur to, to Canaan, and then they're getting big, and I mean, they're wealthy ranchers, right? And there was some problems with his nephew, so they split the, prom, or it's not the promised land yet, but they split Canaan up, and Lot took the good stuff and went and got himself in trouble. So now they're back at Salem, everything seems to be good, and Abram runs into the king of Salem, and his name is Melchizedek. A very very mysterious person in the Bible that is listed here in whatever Genesis we're in right now. It's somewhere between I think it's around 14 or 15. I didn't write it down. But even in the New Testament, they talk about Melchizedek, right? But the thing about this meeting is that Abraham or Abram, still at this point, recognizes that Melchizedek is a priest of the Most High God, and Abram does too amazingly faithful things because that is what characterizes Abram's life, his faith. The first thing Abram does is he takes 10% of everything from the army because, you know, if you win, to the winner go to the spoils, right? He takes everything that was owed him by spoils of war and he gives Melchizedek 10% of it. Basically, Abraham tithed, or Abram tithed. That's the first thing he did. He's like, you know what? I want to give back to God, right? So he does, right? You have to have faith in order to give something away that could benefit you. And it's crazy that the only things that benefit you, the only way to get is to give them away, right? I think that that's a neat little correlation there. But he does something else as well. Because he does give 10%, but the king of Sodom that was also captured in this raid, because I mean, the king of Sodom was captured as well, right? The king of Sodom says, well, you can, you can have all of the stuff, you know, for rescuing us, you can have all of our spoils too. And basically, Abraham looks over at him and says, you're a wicked, wicked man that leads a wicked, wicked people. And the only thing we will take from anything of Sodom is what's already in the bellies of my men. We will not touch another thing from Sodom. Man, what faith. Because that was probably the biggest cut apart from the 10%. Abram had the faith to give a tenth to Mel and not take a dime from the king of Sodom. Faith builds. See, faith builds when you step out and you leave behind everything that you've known to follow what God has in store for you. And I know what that feels like. If you don't know that story, come up to me afterwards. I'll tell it to you. Our faith builds as we follow God. Our faith builds as as we follow him and make unity important. No matter what, you go over there. If you want over there, you go over there. I'll go over here, whatever. Faith builds. Faith builds when we have integrity, when we honor God with our possessions, with our monies, and when we stay away from things that are evil. And then something amazing happens. See, Abram had been promised to be the father of God's chosen people. So Abram goes to God and says, there's a guy named, I think he's like Eleazar or something like that. He said, I reckon I'm going to have to give Eleazar my main servant, the servant that's been with me so long. He's going to inherit everything because I don't have a son. And God says, don't worry about it, Abram. I'm going to give you a son. I'm going to give you a son. Genesis chapter 15, verse 6, one of the most well-known verses in the entire Bible, mentioned in the New Testament, referenced in the New Testament. Genesis 15, 6 says this, And Abram believed the Lord And the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith, right? Same thing that we've been saying all along. God desires our faith, trust, dependence, not faith in our ability to please him. In other words, God wants us to have faith in him, not in us. So God says, you're going to have a son. And if you're going to have a son, we're going to have to change your name from Abram to Abraham. Helm, which means father of many and something amazing happened about this time because god has been reminding in all of these chapters genesis chapter 12 13 14 and now we're in 15 god keeps reminding of abram or abraham now of his covenant but the scope of the covenant covenant of being god's people is finally being revealed and it's deeper than what you think because not only God, God is revealing more of this covenant to Abram as he goes on like hey man you know what this is the covenant that I'll make you the father of my people but within that this is what's in there that you will have many descendants and if you're going to have many descendants that means you have to have a son and you're going to have and you're going to have a son and Abram doesn't have a son and he's 99 never too late guys That's for you <laughs> Many descendants. But God also tells Abram, he's like, you know what? Not only many descendants, many nations are going to come from you. Many nations. And not just that, Abraham, this covenant is going to extend to your descendants. Everything that I have promised you, the blessings, everything are going to roll downhill for eternity. Many descendants, many nations, the covenant would keep going. And God would give Abraham's descendants the land of Canaan. Faith builds. It builds whenever you leave everything behind and you go. It builds when you focus on unity. It builds when you have integrity. Faith builds. It starts to build when you believe. Faith builds. Abraham does have a son. Actually, he actually had two. One was part of the covenant and one was not because... Sarah, his wife at the time, uh, took matters into her own hand and said, I'm the one standing in the way of you having kids, so you can have my daughter, uh, my servant Hagar, and you can have a son with her. And so he did, and his name was Ishmael, and it caused a lot of problems because they tried to circumvent the promise of God. Ishmael and Hagar are basically run out, and Ishmael also. <laughs> God keeps his promises. You know who Ishmael is the father of? Muslim. Okay? I mean, he said, your descendants, many nations will come. And that right there is part of the many nations that came from him. But the promised son is finally born when Abraham is 100 years old. Now, guys, I know that your entire life you've been wanting to make it to 100 with a newborn. (laughs) You know, he'd been wanting a kid for a hundred years. I never wondered if he went, this is it? No, not really, not really. I waited a hundred years for this. (laughs) But anyway, Isaac is born and grows up to be a strapping young man. And then one of the pivotal places in the entire Bible, the pivotal places of our entire faith happens. And you know what it is. God tells Abraham, take Isaac, your only son, The son who you love, take him over there to that mountain and sacrifice him. Do you know what mountain that was? Do you remember when I said that Abraham stopped by and saw the king of Salem? But I ask you, have you ever heard that name before? Because what happens if you put the Hebrew word for hill or mountain before it? You have, which is Jeru. So you have Jerusalem. Did you know? That the temple mount, the holy of holies, which is not there anymore because the temple's been... I mean, I guess the area is still there. But did you know that the holy of holies was built over the spot where Abraham laid Isaac to kill him? Nice little trivia. God says, take your son, your one and only son, who you love, and sacrifice him to me. So Abraham tells Sarah, me and the boy are going to make a sacrifice and we will be back. See what he said? And we will be back. And Abraham takes 12, I I don't really remember, but I mean, this kid knows what's happening. He knows what a sacrifice is. And he gets up there and they climb and they've got a donkey that has a bunch of wood because it's going to be a burnt offering. And he tells Isaac, he's like, Isaac, grab the wood. That's kind of cold, isn't it? I, I i mean like ah uh, this is hard right so isaac gets the wood he's traveling he goes dad what, what are we going to sacrifice right and abraham says god will provide a sacrifice isaac abraham gets up to this rock on top of what is now known as mount zion where the holy of holies rested in jesus's day and one day will rest again and puts a bunch of wood on a rock and then ties his son's hands behind his back and lays his son on that rock and lifts a an knife to sacrifice his son, his one and only son, the son whom he loves. And at the very instant that that knife comes down so that his son does not have to feel it whenever he burns, God stops his hand and says, Do not harm that child. And they look over and there's a ram caught in the bush. And so Isaac gets up and they offer that ram as a sacrifice. The ultimate act of faith because see faith builds faith builds when you go from where you started to where god wants you faith builds when you're unified you don't let anything come between you and somebody else if you can have if you can do anything about it faith builds when you do the right thing and you defend others faith builds whenever you give to god and you know that that you owe him everything and all he asks for is ten Faith builds when you refuse. No, even if it could benefit you, you refuse to have anything to do with evil. And faith, faith builds when you believe God, even when you're 99 years old and don't have, a, don't have a son with your wife. Faith builds whenever you go and you do what God says, even to the extent of sacrificing your own son. Now, why would a loving God ask a man to kill his own son? As a foreshadowing of what God would do, as a foreshadowing, because say, here's the deal. Some might say that God wouldn't ask us to do anything He isn't willing to do, right? Well, I say God's love is better seen, and that God won't ask us to do what we can't do for ourselves. And what do I mean by that? God's not going to ask us to save ourselves because we can't God's going to do it for us. Because remember, God wants to have us, God wants us to have faith in Him, not in us. God desires our faith, trust, and dependence, not faith in our ability to please him. God wants us to have faith in him, not us. But you know what? Which of those you think demonstrated the most faith? Could you take your one and only son whom you love and go and sacrifice him? Probably not. You want to know why? The greatest act of faith, in my opinion, that Abram, Abraham exhibited was when he left Ur because faith builds. He didn't have the faith to do that to Isaac when he left. He didn't have the faith to believe God that at 99 years old he would have a son. He didn't have the faith at the time to, to be a king that conquered five cities with only 318 cowboys. Doesn't surprise us, but you see the point. He didn't have the faith to do that at the time. He didn't have the faith to trust God to give Lot the absolute. They're both farmers and ranchers, the best growing, the best grass, the best everything, and take dirt and rocks and still be blessed and fruitful. And multiply. He didn't have the faith before he left to her for that because see faith builds. Faith builds. Without that little act of faith, none of the huge acts of faith would have ever happened. Never dismiss the fall, the small acts of faith that God is asking you for right now. I don't know what it is, but I do know that God is asking every single one of you for a small act of faith. Whatever that is, I implore you that will be the greatest act of faith. That you can have because you're going to need more faith down the road and it starts today god desires our faith trust and dependence not our faith in our ability to please him god wants us to have faith in him not in us and our faith it unlocks blessings but what if blessings don't come the way you think they do and that's where we'll pick up next week